I'm just going to share a few things about uh, that I really enjoyed and uh, that was like really um, impactful to me. Um, a few things that I really enjoyed was uh, Indian hospitality. Um, every time we would show up to a different place, um, as soon as we got there, we would have really, really amazing chai tea. Then we'd have far more food than we would know what to do with. And, and they do this at every place. And so every time we get there, there's food and there's tea. And so we're always full, but we feel obligated to eat it because they're serving us. And, and it's so, yeah, it's pretty humbling to show up and, and to be served in that way. Um, another, th you know what? I'm just going to pull out my notes because why, why not? Um, yeah, uh, the other thing was, uh, just how friendly everyone is. Um, everyone is just joyful, and I feel like it's almost a cultural thing. And uh, but the Christians, they're they're just as soon as you come, they say in northern India we say uh, Siki, which is victory to God. And uh, and so the first thing you shake their hand and Siki and uh, and so that's that yeah, that that's really really impactful to um, just see like the first thing that you say to each other is victory to God. Um, and then uh, another thing that um, I found really cool was um, everybody, especially in the, in the Christian community, is, we're all brothers and sisters. And I feel like we know that, but every time I was called up to say something, it was always Brother Noah uh, is going to say something. And so every time we came, it was always... Um, greeting each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and just how cool that is and, and to come back and think that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ and, and how amazing this church family is and that we truly are all brothers and sisters. Um, and, and then the final thing that I kind of uh, really, really am, am dwelling on is just the global church and that even though we go there as Canadians, we're just we're just the same as they are. Um, we are in the same belief, and we're uh, in a global church that is celebrating and worshiping the same God, and um, and that we can come there and be um, and we're mentoring to them, but they're doing far more work in us than I feel like we were doing to them at times. And so, uh, anyways, um, there I just have a short video from the trip because um, I was working with Chris on. Uh, doing a short video for uh, the nonprofit he was working for. So anyways.
the excitement it doesn't come from really a, a very positive thing the excitement really comes to me with something which really uh, uh, saddens me that even though we have churches we have house churches we have people coming and they are enjoying but the thing that really pains my heart is that still there are so many people who are uh, unreached still there are so many people who uh, are without christ in the area where i'm living you know that area is known for drugs uh, for uh, adultery and those things and that really uh, saddens me in my heart and that gives me an excitement to uh, to reach out to more and more people every day and I just pray to God and I just ask him this one thing that the, the world is so big there are so many people in our country how are we going to do it but whatever God has given me for that day I'm ready to do it with whatever pace whatever speed I can do That's a little, um, that's a little picture of, of some of the amazing work that Noah has done. And uh, in April, we have a big event where we are hoping to tell the story about church planting in North India. And we brought Noah, first of all, because he's awesome, because we wanted to give him a great experience, but also because he's building a great video for us. And so that's a little picture of what our church planting documentary is going to look like. So uh, what a blessing to have him along. Um, I, uh, I help lead an organization called Multination Missions Foundation. It is MMF for short. We are a Christian charity. We work around the world in many different countries. Um, our real focus is to partner with local people, to find national workers in the country that they are working, people who are doing a really good job for the kingdom, people who are doing a great job within the church, and we come alongside them and we support them, we partner with them, we help them however we can. Um, you've heard me up here talk about Guatemala. Last year I talked about Ukraine. Um, but the place that I'm probably most excited about, the place that I go to most often, and the place where we have the most uh, work happening right now is in North India. And I want to talk about why that is. So let's throw this up here. Yeah, uh, Noah included some of these statistics, but let me just tell you a little bit about what we're dealing with in India. 30%. Uh, there we go. Okay, 30% of the world's uh, remaining unreached people groups live in India. What we mean by that in unreached people groups, these people groups are people that have a distinct culture, uh, heritage, often a distinct language. They are their own people group. Um, 
There are 6,738 remaining unreached people groups, 30% of which still live in India. So it's the largest concentration. There's um, 458,000 Indian villages with absolutely no known Christian presence. No Christian, no church, no pastor, no, no, no Christian anything in the village. Just to give you an idea of, of the scale, India is number one in most unreached people groups at 2,027. Number two is China, and it's 456. So it's a quarter of the amount, number two, compared to India being number one. Um, Population-wise, India holds one-fifth of the entire world's population. 40% of the world's poor live there. Uh, currently, India is 1.3 billion people. They're going to surpass China in a few years, they say. Uh, India has more people living in it than Africa and Europe combined. It is a massive, uh, massive country and so many people. One of the biggest culture shocks every time I go to India is just the people. There are so many people. It's just, if you are claustrophobic, you will struggle there because it's just a mass amount of humanity. But I absolutely love going to India. Uh, this was my fourth, fourth trip. This was my favorite trip because I got to bring some friends with me. I got to bring Noah and I got to bring another guy with me. So uh, we'll flip the picture there. Uh, so there's, there's us sporting the Punjabi dress code. And we got Noah and uh, Jason's a good friend of mine from the Kootenays. He's a pastor. And then myself. Uh, we did a pile of teaching. Our goal was to go there and to encourage churches to work uh, alongside local church planters and network leaders and, uh, and to see what God is doing there. Um, and then Noah, we brought Noah along because he's awesome and because he's putting together a video for us. And uh, you guys will have an opportunity to see that in April. We partner with a number of local Indian pastors there. They are planting churches. They're doing evangelism. They're spreading the good news in places where it's really difficult and where it's unreached. And my role is to go and to encourage. My role is to work with them, build relationships with them, um, to come back here and tell stories and to advocate for them, to connect uh, North American donors with, uh, with what's going on over there, donor integrity, all that uh, charity stuff. Uh, I absolutely love what I get to do. It, it's, a, it's an incredible privilege, and every time I go, I'm blown away by how God is at work and what he is doing around the world. Um, again, fourth time I went there, and it is such a radically different place compared to anywhere else that I go. So I want to just tell you some stories this morning, hopefully encourage you with what God is doing globally, especially in a place like northern India. So uh, we'll flip the picture here. Yeah, so here's a picture. Here's what a typical uh, church gathering looks like in India. We were on the ground for eight days. We were gone for two weeks in total, but there's a lot of travel. Um, in eight days, we visited 15 churches. We hosted three training conferences. So uh, we were really busy. We didn't get a lot of sleep, but um, it, was, it was absolutely fantastic to be there and to be part of these church gatherings. This is a church that is uh, it's near and dear to my heart. The first time I went to India, this was actually the first church that I visited. Uh, they asked me to speak at it. This church was a couple months old, three years ago, and we were packed into a really small room. There was about 10 or 15 people. It was brand new church plant, again, a couple months old. And I remember speaking there, and I remember thinking, wow, how does this church have any chance? It's located in the suburbs of a larger uh, city in Punjab, and, uh, and these people are all brand new Christians, and I just thought, wow, what's going to happen here? Every year I go back to this church and the church grows and the church is larger. And, uh, and uh, three years later, the church is about 250 people strong and they're all brand new Christians. About 95% of them are new Christians. The, the church planter that we support there, he moved into this area and he just started going door to door and telling people about Jesus. He, uh, 
he hosted some uh, Jesus films there and invited people to come to church, invited people to uh, come and learn about Jesus, and the church has just exploded. It's absolutely amazing to see, um, to see how quickly things are growing and to see how people are responding to the good news. When people hear about Jesus, they hear about the one true God, they are drawn in. It's absolutely amazing to see um, the receptivity to the gospel in northern India. Uh, it really is a place where the harvest is ripe. I get pictures every month of baptisms. Lots of them actually are happening from this church where people are responding and then they are getting baptized and saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus. I all, in every church we go to, I always ask the pastor, what is drawing people into the faith? What, how is your church growing? And uh, lots of them say, you know, it's actually it's, it's miracles. It is uh, healings. It is uh, working with the demonic and casting out um, and it is people acknowledging the truth and coming to Jesus, knowing that he is the one true God. Um, it's really the kind of thing that you read in the book of Acts. These are the stories that the guys are telling us about how the church is growing there. Uh, we'll flip it over there. This is Noah bringing the word. I know he thought he was coming just to, uh, just to be behind a camera, but everywhere we went, they really wanted us all to speak. So Noah got some really good experience there. This is one of the the pastors' conferences that we led, we, we did three training conferences in three different areas. Uh, there's about 50 pastors and leaders here. This is one of the greatest needs right now in northern India is to uh, train and to educate. All the, most of the pastors are very young. They're passionate. They're fruitful. But they're uneducated. They just they can't afford to go to school. They don't have much theological or biblical uh, background. And so our partners have said the biggest thing that you can do when you come and help is to come and offer some training, come and offer some education. And so we did a lot of that here. Education is such a significant need there. Uh, we'll flip there. So because of this, three years ago, we started what we call a discipleship training school, DTS. Um, we've offered four of these now. They are five-month programs. It's three months of intensive educational learning, theology, Bible, mission, and then it's two months where these students go out and they do outreach. This is the first batch that we had. Uh, in the four batches that we've done, uh, we've trained 60 young, young leaders. And out of that, 10 of them have now gone on and planted their own church. And so the program is very fruitful. And this is something that we continue to really value because education and, uh, and training is, is a pretty big deal there, a, a huge need. Jesus says the harvest is, uh, is ripe, but the workers are few. And that is something that we are experiencing in, in India. The harvest really is ripe. People are so open. They're so receptive to the gospel. But there are, there are very few Christian workers, very few evangelists and pastors. And so we want to get in there. We want to help. We want to support. We want to train. We want to encourage. We want to release. People often ask, what's the highlight? It's always hard for me to come up with a specific highlight, but I want to tell you about this one church we went to. This was a new state that I went to. It's in Jammu, Kashmir. If you know anything about India, Jammu, Kashmir is the northernmost part of, this, of, uh, of India. It's where a lot of the fighting is happening right now between India and Pakistan and the terrorism and land wars. Uh, not only is it a violent place, it is uh, very oppressive for Christians. It is hard to be a Christian there, and there are very, very few Christians uh, behind, you'll see one of our church planters there. We've been supporting him for a year. And uh, he's, he's in, a, in a village that's just outside of his city. He and his wife and his mom were the only Christians, and they just started gathering. They started praying for their community. They started saying, we want to be a church in this area. We want to see uh, people come to Christ. And in less than a year, the church is about 25 people strong. 25 people have come in. They've, uh, they've accepted the truth. They've, they've, 
they, they've acknowledged that Jesus is Lord and they've come to faith. And so we, we drove up, there was about a three-hour drive up there and we did, uh, we uh, celebrated with them in a worship service and did some teaching. And it was a really encouraging time. And it really is a place that is the front lines of ministry where Christianity is not established. Uh, most of the churches that we work in, they are the first church in that area. Churches never existed before. And they are planting in, in areas that don't have any Christian presence at all. Uh, so you can see how they baptize. They just find what they can to get them wet. Uh, we'll flip it over. Uh, so this is the church. When we were there, they were so encouraged that we came all the way to come and visit, to come and encourage them. Some of them stood up and just gave us their testimonies and told them why they are believers. And the stories were amazing. They were stories of redemption, stories of people who were broken, who said we, they needed life change and they met Jesus and their, their lives were changed. And their passion for God was huge. Uh, one of the guys stood up, and he's a government worker in India, which means he's of the higher caste, and he's wealthier. And for him to become a Christian, he's incredibly persecuted. He's been rejected by his family, by his work, by his friends. And yet he says, I cannot deny Christ because he's made such a difference in my life. And we heard story after story of people who just said, this has cost me everything, but it's worth it because I recognize that this is true and because following Jesus makes the most sense of my life. I want to show you a picture of the Bible here. Uh, it's the New Testament and Dogri. Dogri is a language of a distinct people group um, in Jammu, Kashmir. There's about 260,000 people that speak Dogri, and the scriptures have never been translated before. And the pastor that we support has translated the New Testament for them. So the first time that these people have the scriptures in their own language. For me, that's impactful because... We just take for granted the fact that we can just pick up our Bibles whenever we want and read it, and we have access to the Scriptures. And yet, for so many people still in India and in other parts of the world, they can't even read the Bible in their own language. And so I love that we get to be behind uh, ministries like this that are really on the front lines, still uh, spreading the gospel where the gospel has never been. So I would say that this was probably one of my highlights. Flip it over again, please. There we go. So this is a tribal village. We spent the last three days, we went to a totally different part of India. It was actually southeast India where there's a lot of work going on. And these ministries are ministries in, uh, in tribal areas. These are tribal people living way outside of the cities, um, uh, living totally different lives than many of the local Indians. Um, this is a church that we went to. This was, this was a hard day because... They said it was about a two-hour drive, and it turned out to be about four-and-a-half-hour drive. And we were all crammed into this tiny little car, and we were so uncomfortable. And after four-and-a-half hours, we were, we were honestly a little bit grumpy about the whole situation, wondering what in the world are we doing here. And then we got out and went into this church, and the people were so, uh, they were so encouraged. They could not believe that we came all this way to come and greet them um, as brothers and sisters from Canada and to come and to encourage them. And immediately when I saw the look on their faces, I thought, this, this is so worth it. It's so worth it to be here. This church is heavily persecuted, the most persecuted church that we uh, visited in India. Uh, the pastor and his wife have been driven out of the community often. They keep coming back. They managed to save up enough money as a church to buy a little piece of land so that they could meet because their home isn't big enough to meet in. And the locals took that land and they built a Hindu temple. He got no refund back or anything like that. They are so against them. And yet this little group of Christians in this community says, we love Jesus, we know that this is truth, and we are going to persevere despite whatever it is that we have to face. And they were so encouraged when we came to just say hi and to bless them. Um, 
just our presence, just our being there uh, lifted their spirits up. It was such an encouraging thing uh, to be able to do. A couple of pictures here of the tribal villages. Um, Noah's a great photographer. The churches are filled with children and with youth. And I love that our kids and our youth are a part of this. And they're, they're not just innocent bystanders. They are passionate worshipers of Jesus. They are right in the middle of it. You can see, um, well, we'll flip over one more picture. You can see them in the corner there. They got men, women, children, all with their hands raised, praying, singing. It's loud, and they are just passionate about Jesus. It's an incredible experience to be a part of. And then the last day, we got to be a part of a baptism as well. Yeah, I love that picture that Noah took of these beautiful kids that have just said yes to Jesus. And these are second-generation Christians because their parents are the first to accept Christ. That is the story in northern India. India is an interesting place because you have north and you have south India. Uh, India itself as a country is about 5% Christian, but most of those Christians live in the south and a little bit in the northeast. Uh, but in the north part of India, it's less than 1%. Christianity has barely made any inroads there. It's a very hard place to do ministry. And yet, as I keep saying, the harvest really is ripe. It's like the Lord has really opened up doors and people's hearts uh, to respond to the message and to respond to salvation. And, and people are coming to Christ in incredible, incredible ways. I want to uh, just share with you a couple passages of Scripture. You might be wondering, what, what is the drive here? Why, why are we doing this? Why, why do we get excited about missions? And I simply want to say it's because Jesus did, and it's what Jesus told us to do. You will, if you're a reader of the Bible, you will know this passage, Matthew 28, 19. This is Jesus' last words uh, to his disciples before he ascends. So he's about to go, and this is his last parting words to his disciples. So it's, listen up, guys. This, this is really important. That's what he says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Jesus himself looks at his disciples and anyone else who calls themselves disciples. So this is a message for you and I as well. And he says, go and make disciples. Pass on the faith. Where? To all nations. All nations, this isn't a reference to political boundaries. All nations is a reference to people groups. That's what the original Greek says. It's talking about distinct groups of people with languages and culture and heritage. And Jesus says, go and preach to all nations, to all people groups. This isn't just a localized European white man religion. This is something that is supposed to be spread out. Obviously, in that context, he's saying this isn't a localized Jewish um, religion. It's supposed to spread out past this to all nations. Go and baptize and teach people. Don't keep it to yourself. Part of following Jesus, you read over and over in the scriptures, part of following Jesus is engaging in the mission that he is a part of. It's not just about us and our own personal relationship with him, as important as that is. It is also about participating with the mission that God has called us into to reach the world for Christ. I want to look at one other passage there, Acts 1.8. Again, Jesus' last words recorded uh, in Luke so he has come back and has um, talked to the disciples a few times over 40 days. And this is right before he sends the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit uh, comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit and then you are to bear witness. You are my witnesses. You are my witnesses locally. 
They were from Jerusalem. So he says, in your city, in your context, in your community, you bear witness to me. And then Judea is provincial. And so Jesus says, uh, locally and provincially, you know, the boundaries around your city, I want you to bear witness to me. And then he says Samaria. Samaria was the next country over. It's a cross-cultural setting. Different people, different language. And he says, I want you to bear witness there. Close but different, cross-culturally. And then he says, I want you to bear witness to with me where? To the ends of the earth. So Jesus says it is both local and it is global. And our jobs as Christians is to bear witness to Christ. This is what we are called to do. It's not just a job for disciples. For those disciples, it's a job for all of us. We have received the Holy Spirit and he calls us to bear witness in every situation that we find ourselves in. And so we see how missional God is. That God says, I want to bless you. I want to give you my favor. I want to give you my salvation. I want you to cultivate this rich relationship with me. But I want, I want that to be poured out in, in the situations of your life, locally and globally. It's not something that we hoard and keep to ourselves. So I recognize that most people can't do global missions. It's not, I don't think this is a, a sermon to say, hey, everyone needs to go on a global missions trip. That's certainly not what we're getting at here. Um, but I, what I do think we see is that God wants us to have a heart for local and for global. And so one of the ways we can participate in global missions, even if we can't go, is to be aware of what God's doing, to be aware of these unreached people groups, to support ministries that are on the front lines doing this, to pray, to come out to awareness um, events, to fundraisers, to join prayer groups, whatever it is that gets you excited, but to be aware about what God is doing globally and locally. For me, this trip, um, I'm always reminded of different things every time I go, but for me, what really impacted me this time was uh, the impact of the local church in mission. Whenever our partners go into a new area and they, and they preach the gospel and people respond, they immediately set up a church. They set up a place where people can gather and it's a place where they can worship, where they can be encouraged, but it's also a lighthouse into the community. It is a place in the community where others know that Jesus worshiped here. For many of our churches, it's a place where they serve their community, where acts of charity are happening. Many of the churches, even though they face opposition, they also have great respect by their neighbors because they recognize that this is a, that this is a, a group of people, a church that is making a difference in their city by caring for the poor, and by doing good things in the community. And so the, the, uh, the impact of the local church is really significant. It, it acts as a lighthouse wherever it is. I was reminded again at how God intends to use the local church to carry out his mission. None of us can do this alone. This call that Jesus has on our lives, is, it's really, you can't do it all by yourself. The beauty of the local church is that we gather together and together we can make an impact. This isn't just an individualistic call. It is also a corporate call, a community call. Together, we are called to bear witness to Christ. Um, not just in, on our own, but as the church gathered. So I pray a lot for Creekside. I pray for us a lot. I pray that we would be a missional church. I pray for all of us individually that where, wherever it is that you live your life and where you're called, that you are bearing witness to Christ. Kids in your school. Uh, parents in your homes, in our places of work, whatever situations we find ourselves in, we have been called to bear witness to Christ. Our faith is not just something we do on a Sunday morning for two hours. We come here, we get encouraged, we get fired up, we gather together, but then we get sent back out 
to do what it is that God has called us to do, and that is to bear witness and to make disciples of all nations. So I pray, I pray for us as a church that we would, that we would take Jesus up on his call to bear witness, to make disciples in all aspects, locally, because it does start here, and I tr- truly, firmly believe that, but also globally. We see that God has a heart for global missions. In Canada, it's pretty hard to find places where a church isn't available, where there isn't a Christian that somebody can talk to. It's a pretty reached area of the world. Even though Christianity is going down here, we, we can't say we're in an unreached area. But it's good to be engaged in places where uh, it's still unreached and to support ministries that are doing that because this is God's heart, to reach the nations for Christ. And so it should also be our heart. Our heart. I want to end uh, with my favorite quote of all time, which is saying a lot because there's a lot of good quotes out there. It's by David Bosch. He's a great missiologist. And he says this, the church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. I'll say that again. The church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. Sometimes we think of missions as just a separate program in our church. It's just part of what we do. But that's actually not the case. It's the mission that started everything. And because of the mission, God has established his church. And everything that we do revolves around mission. Everything we do revolves around bearing witness to Christ here in our communities, in our families, uh, regionally, provincially, and globally. This is what we are called to do. The church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. This is why we exist. And I just think this is, I just think this is amazing. God, has, God is doing a great thing in the world, and he's invited us into that. He said, come and participate. Come Come and catch a vision for what I am doing in the world. Come and join me. What an honor and what a responsibility that we have been given as Christ followers. And so I would ask you this morning, would you pray for India? Pray for the church planters and the evangelists who are getting into these uh, unreached areas. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ who are facing opposition and persecution. Pray that they would stand strong. And pray for us here in Lake Country, that we would bear witness in our own community here. I know lots of you were here uh, Friday night at the movie night. I was here with my kids, and it was a free movie here at Creekside Theater. It was just packed full of parents and kids. And I was sitting in the back corner thinking, how awesome would it be if that's what our church looked like? To see more and more people coming into faith, more and more people coming to church, more and more kids and families saying, yes, this is true, I want to follow Jesus. Keep praying for our church. Keep praying for the mission that God has called each and every one of us to, both here, locally, and globally. So, let me pray this morning. God, thank you so much for your goodness. God, thank you that you are at work in the world. We thank you and give you praise uh, for the way that the church is growing in places like northern India. We pray specifically right now for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are meeting under opposition, uh, some even risking their lives, and yet they are meeting because they love you and they want to worship you. God, protect them. Keep them safe. May they grow in faith, God. May they grow in their own mission into their communities, God, we pray. We pray, God, your kingdom come. We pray your kingdom come not only here in Lake Country, but globally around the world. God, continue to remind us that you've invited us to participate in this mission and to show each and every one of us what that looks like, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.